0: net rocks episode 689 with guest Sean Walker recorded live Thursday August 4th, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik. and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter and now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now, here are Carl and Richard.
1: Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here through the magic of, um, oh, FTPing MP3 files.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice, yeah. Actually, I use Silverlight to transfer my uh, MP3 files. Well, what on earth do you use? To do that, Richard. Well, the Pwop file uploader
1: created by my good friend, Carl Franklin. That's right. I didn't have anything to do one day. And, you know, it seems like it's always a problem. You know, FTP firewalls and stuff, especially getting anyone at Microsoft to upload something by FTP. It's insanely difficult. FTP is one of those horrible protocols. It really is. It's horrible. And it actually has two connections. Did you know that? There's like a, at least two. There's one connection that has a, that has your commands and then another connection is required for data. And that sometimes will bump up against firewall problems. It's just not good. Nope. So anyway, doesn't work. Hey, I got something interesting for a uh, better know framework, but first, did you know, uh, I heard something very fascinating about the English language. There's a theory oh. on its origins. That it was created by two blind guys with a German dictionary for reference.
0: <laughs> That's beautiful.
1: <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Okay, so here, better know framework. Beautiful. What do you got? Well, uh, I've been talking a little bit about new tags in HTML5. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. So I talked about the audio tag. And now I want to talk about the article tag. Oh, okay. The article tag defines an article. Like, you know, you would read an article, a news article. Okay. What's cool about that is that, you know, if you want to scrape a web page for content, good luck. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's littered with all the
2: tags.
1: It's littered with tags, and you don't really, you know, you can look at what's between paragraphs, but that's if they use p-tags. Right. But how do you know, like, where the content is? We, you know, this basically says, here's an article. It's an article tag. There's a a link or something like that inside in text, titles and all that kind of stuff. But it's essentially just saying, this is an article, like for a forum post, a newspaper article, a blog entry, a user comment. It's supported in all the major browsers. Nice. New in HTML5. Very cool.
0: Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. So who's talking to us, man? Uh, grabbed a comment off the net rocks website for show 681, which was Ray Bango talking about JavaScript. That was and awesome. And this is a comment from Panit and he answers, uh, for the question, why JavaScript out of browser? Possible, possible answers. JavaScript makes it much easier to write asynchronous code as compared to C sharp or Java. C has been adding Lambda expressions, async feature, etc., but those have all been present in JavaScript for many years. JavaScript is a functional language which allows very, very terse programming patterns. JavaScript makes it easy to write closures, which have been added to C sharp, and I think Java is adding them as well. Uh-huh. And imagine what could be done on a web server, and he's thinking about node.js. Right. Uh, maybe more, I've just been learning JavaScript. It is not lacking in language features. Right. And uh, I got to agree. I think we have a very distorted view of JavaScript because we come from those early days of the web where this was a language of last resort. Mm-hmm. And it has evolved. And it's being used in different ways now. And I'm on the watch for doing a Node show sometime soon. Right, there's some stuff happening in the Microsoft space, and so forth. So I think we're coming together with the bits where I want to do a show on Node because I'm very interested in that. So a mug for you, Panit. I'll contact you as any way I can so we can get that mug out to you. And if you've got questions, concerns, ideas for a show, just want to tell us how much fun you think we're having because I'm right in the <laughs> middle of making some barbecue. <laughs> we're always having fun, right? I just say it to Carl, I says, "Hey, it's Boston butts for me, man. We're making pulled pork tomorrow." Give us a, a comment on the website, com.
1: Richard, you know, we've been talking about this new thing that we're going to do for a while between us and letting it sort of fester in our brains. Now, I think it's time to let our listeners in on it. Are you are going to find out sooner or later. They're going to find out sooner or later. So guess what, people? Richard and I are going to do another show for just a geek show. We have some great conversations that have nothing to do with .NET that we'd like to share with you. Um, we're going to start just by doing uh, Every Other Thursday. Every Other Thursday's .NET Rocks is just going to be a geek out show. We're going to look at the numbers and see what you guys think and get your feedback. And, you know, if we get enough positive response, we'll move it to another show.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, and, it, and of course, the joke is when we were talking about this is we immediately fell into doing a show on, I think we we're talking about space, and then we start talking about uh, renewable energy, and we end up doing these conversations anyway, so right. why not record them and uh, do some more research around them and uh, provide some value for people? Exactly. So if you got any
1: ideas for that or some comments, just uh, send us an email or leave a comment on this show on .netrocks.com. Uh, I'd like to welcome back to the show Mr. Sean Walker. Sean is CEO of DotNet Nuke Corporation uh, with over 15 years of professional experience in architecting and implementing large-scale software solutions for private and public organizations. Sean is the original creator and maintainer of .NET Nuke, a web application framework for ASP.NET, which has spawned the largest and most successful open-source community project on the Microsoft platform. Based on his significant community contributions, he was recognized as an MVP, a most valuable professional, in 2004, and an ASP Insider in 2005 he's a frequent speaker at user groups in his local area and is a contributing author to the rocks Pressbook professional.net nuke for open source web application framework welcome back sean
2: i'm glad to be back thanks for having me back
1: absolutely so it's always good to catch up with you once in a while and figure out what's going on latest and greatest with .NET nuke what's happening in your world
2: uh, i think i was on the show last year um and uh, a lot has happened in the years since. Um, we recently came out with a new version of .NET Nuke, uh, .NET Nuke version 6. And so it deserves that 6.0 title based on fairly significant overhaul that we've made of the application. Um, we like to refer to this as an extreme makeover, .NET Nuke style. Huh. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's very interesting in terms of what we were able to accomplish over the last year. Um which, I mean, we can cover some of the individual features, but... Um, well, was
1: it a rewrite, or was it mostly a rewrite, or what what needed fixing?
2: So, it, um, uh, .NET NUC is now, what, like, seven or eight years old, so it's been out in the market for quite some time. Um, still a web forms, um, web application, so using some of the more traditional ASP.NET techniques. Um, we contemplated moving to MVC, but um, at this point, because the MVC model is not really compatible with the Webforms model, it would mean that all of our ecosystem of extensions, the people who have written plugins for our platform, wouldn't work if we migrated to MVC. So we decided that Webforms was still the right platform for us. Um, But in terms of sort of updating the core architecture and updating the platform to make it more modern and contemporary, um, we invested a lot in that. So, for example, we, um, we translated the, the core application from its original language, which was always in Visual Basic, uh, to C Sharp. That was a fairly significant move. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got some interesting background there in that about a year ago, there was a developer from China who, um, decided that on his own, he was going to do this translation of .NET Nuke, um, from VB to C Sharp. So he did that and then he posted, um, the application on CodePlex for people to download. Uh, we noticed what he had done and initially we, um, thought, well, you know, we really can't have a, you know, a, a version of .NET Nuke in C-sharp out there that doesn't sort of have our official blessing on it. So we reached out to him and we asked if he was willing to collaborate, and he was. So from that point on, it became like official, uh, an official download that we offered on our website yeah. in C-sharp just to gauge sort of the um, the interest in how many developers out there would like C-sharp, and there was tremendous interest. And so last November, um we decided that um, we would make the transition and we would make C-sharp our primary development language. And so we took his work, and then we did some extensive QA effort on it, and uh, we actually made it our primary code base at this point. And going forward, we, uh, we don't plan on even providing a visual basic version of .NET Nuke anymore um, with .NET Nuke 6, unless somebody in the community was going to do this, sort of the reverse translation and, and create a VB version. But uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting sort of open source a community story in that this was just an individual from China who had a, you know, a preference for C sharp. Yep. Did the, all the work to do the translation himself. And actually uh, now that we're offering the C sharp version, we were lucky enough to be able to hire him as well. So now he's uh, done a new corp employee and, uh, see that significant value to us. See that contributing to open source projects
1: can
0: lead to good things. (laughs) That's right. You see, (laughs) do, do we have to ask the question Why? Like, why move? Why switch languages? Yeah,
2: so uh, that methods? is a good question. And it's probably <laughs> a controversial one. And mm-hmm. it's one that we had to deal with sort of out in the public eye a little bit. Um, and to be honest, I thought that there was going to be more pushback and more sort of negative sentiment towards this change. But the reality is a lot of our ecosystem that's developing extensions or doing um, you know, consulting work, systems integration work, was already, they were already using C Sharp as their preferred language. Right. So, I mean, when we got started back in sort of 2000, late 2002, 2003, there was a lot of folks that were moving from traditional classic ASP to the .NET world. And there was definitely a group of those folks that found it easier, myself included, found it easier to stick with, you know, the VB syntax and move to VB.net. And that's why I originally chose VB.net as the the preferred language to build uh, .NET Nuke. But over the years, we've seen sort of more and more developers gravitate towards C Sharp, especially those developers that are coming into the Microsoft ecosystem for the first time. They tend to be choosing C Sharp as their preferred language. And so we were starting to alienate those folks because as much as we don't like to think that um, developers make, you know, quick decisions on things, sometimes they would just look at .NET and they would see that it was written in VB and they would say, okay, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah, mm. And they would completely not understand the fact that you can extend it in any language you want. Right. Um, but we thought that um, there was enough business reasons uh, to make the the conversion to C-sharp, um, both in terms of like the, the amount of documentation that's available in C-sharp is far superior now. The amount of articles that are published in C-sharp, um, the, um, the Mark- amount of available talent in the market that you can hire sure. for C-sharp developers versus BB. There's uh, many reasons, and so we thought this was definitely the right time to make the transition.
0: Well, and, and you've done it now, and obviously it's not like people are screaming and running for the hills away from .NET Nuke. I'll use SharePoint before I use C-sharp right. and .NET <laughs> Nuke.
2: Now, the amount of negative feedback was very small, much smaller than I even anticipated. Like in an open source community, you expect that there's going to at least be some very vocal opinions that are expressed. Um, and for the most part, we didn't hear much of anything. So it, it seemed like you know, no news is good news, which means that for the in general, everyone is happy with that uh, with that decision. And I think it's allowed some people to come back and take a look at us for a second time as well.
1: Well, it's it's really true. Just in terms of sheer numbers, there are more C sharp developers out there. So you're essentially playing to the majority market. And you're right. Yeah. You're right, though, that unless you're going to change the core product, it really is a moot point. But still, there's that you know
0: preference. But this is not a new version of .NET nuke. Make switching languages. It's profound, but yeah. still, there's some other things we should be focusing on. I'm presuming. <laughs>
2: Yeah, oh well, yeah, definitely more than... That's sort of the low-end um, changes. So the translation from VB to C Sharp is fairly significant, but it's not something that people will you know, notice immediately unless they're developers. Um, the other area that we focused on extensively was in the user interface. Uh, so dot really hadn't received a user interface overhaul for quite some time. It was still utilizing a lot of the sort of older web techniques um, that were pretty common in web forms, applications, you know, three, four, five years ago. And, you know, so it really wasn't exhibiting some of the more responsive um, user interface or user experience characteristics that are common for web applications today. And so over the last couple of years, we had been looking at a variety of different ways that we could enhance our user interface and and make our application more contemporary And with some of the, you know, emerging frameworks like jQuery and and jQuery UI and things of that nature, um, it made the uh, the transition transition much simpler for us. But so we targeted a variety of this most common tasks that people perform in the application, and we... um, we overhauled them to use a lot more Ajax, to use a lot more jQuery, mm. a lot more client-side techniques. And the resulting application just looks and feels like a completely different application for those people who are taking a look at it. And the reception in the market has been pretty incredible. Because, mm. um, I mean, sex sells, right? The the, uh, the sizzle of a, of a new application that just feels much more modern. People get really excited about that. So, I've been in a lot of analysts and and, and uh, media calls over the last few weeks, and the reception and and the amount of passion that people display around the user interface is pretty incredible. As opposed to you know some of the uh, the demos that I used to do, uh, say last year or the year before.
0: And it's, it's really kind of a minor thing in some ways that you're just updating certain frames with AJAX or using jQuery to do the rendering rather than web forms doing the round trip.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, for example, some of the techniques, like Nuke is a, a web content management platform, but it also exhibits a lot of portal um, characteristics. Sure. Um, similar to SharePoint. Um, But, um, so some of the, the things that we used to do is, you know, when you were working with the application as an administrator, um, you would go to enter or edit some content and you would, you know, have a post back and you'd be taken to a completely different user interface where you'd have to do your, your entry of content and then you'd have to save it and get transmit or transferred back to the original page. Uh, now we're using, you know, modal dialogs a lot more, so you mm-hmm. don't lose your context at all. When you click Edit, you get a nice modal pop-up that happens. You get your rich text editor. You get to enter your content there. You can still see the back, the page in the background in terms of where this content is going to end up. It just results in a much more fluid uh, user interface experience for the end user.
1: This portion of .NET Rocks! is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. We've been blown away by the uptake and the quick adoption of Silverlight. It's no secret, though, that the platform didn't provide for consistent integration with the web analytics services. Well, not anymore. As you might have already heard, Microsoft announced its Silverlight Analytics Framework, which solves the above-mentioned problem, but what's also interesting is that Telerik already provides support for the framework. Telerik's the first UI components vendor to offer handlers for the Silverlight Analytics Framework. Using RAD controls for Silverlight, you can immediately benefit from the advantages of the platform and start tracking the statistics of your applications. You can read details and download the handlers at Telerik.com slash Silverlight. And, hey, don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET
0: Rocks on their Facebook fan page, Facebook.com slash Telerik. You know, one of the strengths of .NET Nuke, in my experience, has been this huge community of of add-ins and so forth, and you've already hinted at this, but how big of a how big of a challenge is it to keep those add-ins working in the new version of .NET? New? Do they have to build a new version, or does it actually the old one run in the new one?
2: Uh, that's a good question. Uh, so, the one thing that sort of has been a pillar for our uh, community and our, our product over time is the fact that we try to preserve backwards compatibility, uh, so that we don't. Introduce barriers so that people can't upgrade to the the latest greatest version, and we d- we did that in .NET Nuke 6 as well. Um, both at the uh, in the translation from VB to C#, Sharp. we made sure that we preserved our you know API, our binary compatibility there, so that um, people who are writing extensions for the previous version of .NET Nuke, those extensions were obviously taking advantage of APIs that we provide and. and the fact that they're now, you know, written in C-sharp doesn't matter, um, or that the core code is written in C-sharp. I mean, the APIs were preserved. And then at the UI uh, layer, we introduced things in a manner that were uh, non-breaking. And so, I mean, there's probably more than 10,000 add-ons for .NET Nuke today. Uh, the vast majority of those are commercial and are available through our store at snowcover.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we took great effort to ensure that those extensions that were written for the .NET Nuke 5 um, versions still work in .NET Nuke 6 fairly seamlessly. So there is really a, a really good upgrade path for people who are upgrading to .NET Nuke 6. And in fact, we've upgraded a number of our own properties and haven't run into any difficulties in that process at all. We didn't have to rewrite anything.
1: So if you're new to .NET Nuke, you might not realize the breadth of support in terms of the third party market and the number of tools that you can both download and buy as Richard alluded to um, in the last year what have been some of the the star players in that plugin category
2: uh, it's typically uh, features that most people um, might you know require on their website things like form builders there's a number of different Form builders that are quite popular for the .NET new platform. These are, you know, allow you to create customized um, forms that you can capture um, user feedback from, and then you can do a variety of things with that feedback. You can put it in a database. You can email it to somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's many things in terms of the workflows that are available there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also you know, discussion forums that can be plugged in, and they're completely integrated with the platform. If you want to do customer support or, you know, external sort of outreach with partners, those are a great venue for that. Um, there's a number of different e-commerce modules that are available depending on what your e-commerce needs are, uh, whether it's, you know, managing sort of a, a small number of products or services or actually creating a full, full-blown you know, e-commerce experience like a mall with many, many different products. Um, mm-hmm. There's different products or different plugins that are available for .NET that you can do that with. Um, okay. Another popular uh, module that over the last year has been video and and like integrating video and uh, images or galleries of images into your site. Mm-hmm. Um, those have been some of the most popular um, modules that have been available in Snow coverage in the last year.
1: And what's the what are the numbers of adoption now?
2: Um, we um, well, I think we're up to almost 7 million downloads all time. Wow. And we have um, estimated that we have more than 700,000 production websites that are running uh, the platform today uh, across, you know, many different versions all the way back to probably, you know, .hick 1.0. But um, there's a significant number of production websites running the platform today. Wow. Staggering. The download numbers have been pretty incredible. I mean, we released Dotenuque 6 on July 20th, so basically 2 weeks ago, and we've already had 37,000 downloads of it in 2 weeks. So this is far exceeds, you know, anything that we've seen for any of the prior releases for the last 2 or 3 years. It's pretty phenomenal.
0: How's the open source side of things going? Cause, you know what, well, it was a couple of shows back that you were first setting up .NET Nuke Corp and sort of going pro with .NET Nuke, but is the, does the free version still thrive?
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. So we still have our .NET Nuke Community Edition, and we continue to invest, um, a great deal into that Community Edition. For example, in .NET Nuke 6, all of the, um, effort that went into you know, doing the language translation as well as the user interface work that we did, all of that is available in the community edition. Um, where we differentiate is around very specific business functionality. Um, for example, in the professional edition of .NET Nuke 6 we introduced a, a couple of additional um, what we call folder providers, so the ability to integrate with cloud storage. Um, the, the two options that we provided in mm-hmm. Pro were Amazon S3 and uh, Windows Azure Storage. And then we also provided a e-commerce module as well in the professional edition Uh, for those people who are doing more serious, you know, uh, online business type scenarios. We thought that that would be a feature that would be more applicable to the uh, to the professional edition. Yeah, I
0: got to think as soon as your web starts generating revenue, it's reasonable to expect to be charged.
2: Yeah, but it's in terms of the breakdown, though. I mean, probably you know more than ninety five percent, maybe even ninety eight percent of the people who use nuke today are still using the Community Edition. Right. Um, it, it is part of our our overall business strategy to continue to invest in the Community Edition, make it a great product so that people will utilize it. And then if they get more serious about their business, uh, perhaps they will upgrade to the Professional Edition, either for the additional features that are provided there or for the support that nuke Corp. provides.
0: And I guess that the, the other side of this question is like equally valid. So how is the Corp side of things going?
2: Uh, we've uh, we had a significant amount of success over the last few years since we introduced the uh, the commercial edition. I think that the first version was introduced in the spring of 2009, and we're up to uh, 1,500 uh, subscription customers now. So .NET Nuke Professional is available on a yearly subscription license. Um, for $2,500 a year. And then we also introduced an enterprise edition last year uh, for $5,000 a year. And so um, some of those customers, you know, are obviously buying multiple years or they're buying multiple licenses, depending on the, you know, the number of websites they're running. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a significant customer base now, which has been very valuable in terms of getting, feedback from them to, to to find out you know how specifically they're using the platform how we could improve it so it's been a great feedback loop um we've always had the the benefit of having a lot of feedback from the open source channel right where you get you know thousands and thousands of users using the platform but you get a slightly different type of feedback from people who are using it in a more serious business sense sure and so i think it's been very complementary in terms of having both a commercial uh, option and, you know, the traditional open source option.
0: Yeah. I and mean, I don't know if you have these stats at hand, but I'd be really interested in saying how many folks actually start out in the community edition and migrate to the pro edition versus folks who they come in because there was a pro edition, they've never used the community edition.
1: And also, why did they migrate? I mean, what do they get? I mean, I, I, I guess the expectation or the promise of support and the fulfillment of support is there, but uh, yeah. is there anything That's- different in, about the product?
2: yeah so so over the last couple of years um the vast majority of of people who have opted to go for a commercial edition initially were using the the community edition so that is definitely the the typical way that people um, come into our community is they'll use the community edition and then they'll evaluate the commercial edition so like you said, there is the support aspect of things for those businesses that need to have you know a throat to choke. Um, that's an important <laughs> aspect as, as to why they would choose um, to go for a commercial edition. But we've also we, we use what we is called uh, in open source world uh, an open core model, where the uh, professional edition is built on top of the community edition, and it adds it uses the extensibility points of the platform to add additional functionality. And so we, there is quite an extensive list. Of, of additional features that are available only in the professional edition today, okay. things like more advanced document management, um, web farm support, um, more more granular uh, permissions and security, so that you can you know more granularly control who has access to content and editing, um, more advanced Google Analytics support for you know managing marketing campaigns. Hmm. Um, So there is a significant number of features that are reserved for the Professional Edition today, and that's another reason why people would opt to use the Professional Edition.
0: It's not just about tech support.
2: No, no.
0: Well, I never had the sense that .NET Nuke was all that support-intensive either.
2: Um Yeah, we like to think that it's not, but it depends. It's also a platform that has many different extensibility points, and and so when people start extending it with their own, you know, custom bits or utilizing some of the third-party extensions that are available in Snow Covered, then things, you know, it's not like a canned application that doesn't change and is always constant. You can add various bits to it, and, and that makes things sometimes a little bit more complicated, and so sometimes there is a need for support um, as you get into more sophisticated environments.
0: Sure. And, and you know, we've been doing some of the shows around these topic areas, but it feel like you straddle a line more than most on whether you're a CMS or a portal site, but what do you see people using it for? Is it really a CMS product?
2: Yeah, uh, so... I think that the vast majority of folks that are using the product today use it more to manage a website in terms of managing content on a website, you know, uploading digital assets to a website. Right. Um, and so that's more of a traditional content management scenario. And then there's also another group that's not as large, but it's still a, an important group to us that is using .NET Nuke as a framework to build uh, business applications on top of uh, for example, we know m- many customers that are using it to build SaaS uh, offerings. So they uh, they utilize the .NET new framework to build customized business solutions for specific vertical markets, and then and then the, I mean they they use it in that way to expedite their development process and you know and use some of the rich APIs that we have available so that they don't have to build things from scratch.
0: Mm. Which really, I feel like that's the origin of .NET Nuke, was just sort of building up the tooling around that early version of ASP.NET that didn't have much for building real websites.
2: Right, yeah. So that, that you're right. That's where we focused in the early years most heavily is around the framework aspect. And that's why we even positioned ourselves primarily as a web application framework in the early years. And only in the last two to three years have we focused more on the content management side. and. And focused on, you know, this is also why we position ourselves as a content management platform, because we have both content management system capabilities as well as the platform capabilities.
1: So, Sean, when I used .NET Nuke, I remember it sort of digging into IIS pretty deep. And um, that, I won't say it didn't play well with other sites in IIS, but it certainly sort of took over some of the the, the error handling uh, pages and things like that. Does what's the story in terms of isolation from other websites you might have on that same box? Is it a good idea, or should uh, .net nuke live in its own box?
2: Uh, It doesn't need to live on its own box. Uh, I mean, probably the vast majority of people who deploy .net nuke today are actually doing so on shared servers, right? Mm -hmm. So where they get an IAS website on a shared server somewhere, and that's where they're running the Nuke application. So you definitely don't have to have a dedicated server to run it. Um, but in terms of running multiple applications out of the same you know, website in IIS, um, there are some complications around that, um, and it's it's not really something that we recommend. Um, Nuke likes to be the primary application. Right. Um, in a website, you could try to run sub applications, but there are some complications around that. Um, but with sort of you know the the commoditization of hosting uh, and some of the new cloud offerings that are available, it, it makes it a lot more affordable to just you know spin up a new instance right. to run new
1: So, bottom line, if you're if you've already got a website with uh, other ASP.NET websites running, you know, you have a box with a lot of ASP.NET websites running and you want to put .NET Nuke in the mix, maybe it's a good idea to either use managed hosting or to give it its own box or own VM.
2: Yeah, or, or even, you know, at least its own website, its own its own app web application in yeah. IIS. Yeah. I mean, and then over the years, we we continue to try to improve the installation experience Microsoft has obviously helped in this regards with some of the things like the the web platform installer, Mm -hmm. um, which we've been promoting as our primary um, or recommended installation mechanism for a number of years now. That's really helped matters for people who want to install the application on premise, uh, because it takes care of all the the Microsoft related dependencies, so that you're you know you get your environment uh, installed appropriately before you install the .NET Nuke application.
1: At Franklin's Net right now, you can get a DVD with over 11 hours of Billy Hollis on Silverlight 4 or 14 hours of Sahil Malik on SharePoint 2010, each for only six ninety five. Order online at www.franklins.net. Are you looking to change jobs? Infusion Development has offices in New York City, Toronto, London, Dubai, and Poland. Infusion has hired a whole handful of happy .NET Rocks listeners. Contact me for an introduction at carl at franklins.net.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking the, the web application landscape today is dramatically different from the one in 2002. You've, you've got a lot more help and a lot more tooling coming from Microsoft for building good websites.
2: Yeah, so it's been, we've definitely appreciated the efforts that Microsoft uh, has invested in making, especially the web, a lot more accessible for both developers and end users. And
0: I keep wondering, each time I see things like Razor and the web platform, always, is this the end of .nuke? And it never seems to be.
2: Um, <laughs> the end no, is near. I, the end, yeah. So I think that um, we uh, we constantly pay attention to the various things that are coming from Microsoft, and we take advantage of those things that seem to make the most sense. Uh, for example, with, with Razer uh, and when it was introduced I guess the launch was in January of this year. Um, we actually have a capability built into the platform now that allows people to build modules using Razor. So you can you can use the Razor syntax to build a module. You can install the module just like you would any other module in .NET NUC, and it takes care of, you know, the uh, basically the connection, the bridge to make Razor modules run like first-class citizens within the .NET NUC platform. Right. So... For those developers that like the Razor syntax and, you know, want to take advantage of those newer techniques, um, we've allowed people to, you know, to leverage the new and also continue to support the the more legacy techniques as well.
0: And I'm always balancing this idea between how much of .NET Nuke's success is its existing install base versus, you know, greenfield installations. How many folks are today saying, hey, i got to build a new website. I know, I should start with
2: .NET Nuke. Yeah, I think well the like if you take the download numbers for 6.0 mm-hmm. uh, there's probably you know there's obviously a portion of those of those are uh, that are people that were familiar with Dawn in the past and are looking to upgrade or experiment but there's also a portion that are you know brand new users to the platform and are you know there's more and more businesses every day that want to put a website online and so the fact that we are the most popular you know, content management option in the Microsoft ecosystem and probably the most successful because of the open source option, uh, makes it an option that people will consider. I mean, we, we think that based on our estimates, there's about 10,000 new websites going live on the .andu platform every month. So about wow. 100,000 a year. So it is growing at a fairly decent clip. And, and obviously many of those, or the majority of those are, are new users that are just coming to the platform for the first time.
0: Well, and the fact that you're in the web platform installer, right? Like Folks can, when they start there, you're one of the options.
2: Yeah, and I mean, because of the number of downloads we have, we're actually the number one option. Yeah, I was just checking that, (laughs) and when you go, it says top five, and number one is .NET Nuke. Jeez. You must be doing something right, Sean. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's not just me. I mean, certainly, I, I guess I was the one who started the project, but we actually have a a real company around this now. We have uh, more than 60 employees now. We have an office location in Langley, British Columbia, which is our engineering headquarters. We have an office in San Mateo, California, with it, which is our business headquarters, and then we just opened an office in Amsterdam, in the Netherlands, which is our European uh, headquarters. So, we've got, awesome. You know, worldwide presence now. We've got many talented people that are contributing to the uh, the product and the business. So, it's made my life a lot easier.
0: Wow, that's it great. Sort of matured things as, as a whole, for
2: sure. Yeah, and I think that initially when we started to um, go down the commercial path, um, some of the folks in the community were a little bit nervous about what that meant. But right. after more than two years now, and where people can see the investments we've continued to make in the open source side and the, the community addition, um, I think it's pretty clear now that... That commerce and community can coexist in, in a really, you know, powerful way. Cause we, we've been able to do things and, and provide, you know, services to the community that we never would have been able to provide had we not had a strong commercial foundation. Right.
0: And this is, I, I'm thinking back to your show uh, that you did, I think it was last December, where you're yep. saying exactly that, that it was the commercial funding that led you build some of these really hard features like multilingual.
2: Right. Yeah, so there were things that had been sitting out there for a long time, you know, enhancement requests to the platform, but they were so invasive and you know had enough risk associated to them that with the number of resources we had early on it just wasn't conceivable that we could tackle them. And we've been able to take some of those on in recent years. And and also we've been able to cater to um, to more serious business environments. Like for example in dot net 6 one of the new features is a SharePoint connector. So, I mean, a lot of people use Nuke in environments where they've decided that, you know, Microsoft is their technology standard. And given the pervasive nature of SharePoint in those environments, especially in in intranets where, you know, you get the richness of the document management and the strong integration with Microsoft Word and the other Office product line. Um, It makes sense to use SharePoint in an intranet, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to use it in an external-facing website um, because of development costs, because of licensing costs, and other things. And so a lot of people like the pairing of using you know, .NET Nuke for your public-facing website and SharePoint for your intranet, but in the past, there wasn't an easy way to connect those two together. And so with uh, .NET Nuke 6, we actually have a SharePoint connector, which allows you to publish documents in a secure way from inside your firewall to your public website and then expose them using the, you know, the security model that Nuke provides.
0: Wow. Some good stuff, man. It's, yeah, it's come a long way. You know, the other thing I found dealing with open source projects is that something like multilingual not only is invasive, but it's not sexy. That you tend to have the sexy features built in the open source community versus the really important ones. And I, I, uh, my experience with Postgres, which is an open source database uh, alternative sort of vaguely Oracley, actually uh, running largely in Linux uh, somebody was asking about well what's it like working with open source database it's like dude I can pass a table as a parameter into a store procedure but I can't do incremental backups
2: <laughs> right
0: yeah because the incremental backup is not sexy
2: <laughs> yeah and sometimes uh, open source projects are sometimes um you know, managed more from an engineering perspective to, in terms of, you know, R&D and innovation and uh, the features that are focused on are those things that developers find interesting, not features that end users find practical. Right. Um, yeah. yeah
0: you, sometimes you have to do the, you know, this is the, the cleaning out of the food strainer in the bottom of the sink. It isn't fun, but it's what grownups do. And sometimes those are the features that need to get built.
2: Yeah, I think that that's another thing in the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I think that we, we had a tremendous amount of success in the early stages with the Diamond project. project, um, but people were willing to accept um, a, a lot of things just because it was free and open source. You know, they were willing to accept a certain level of quality. Um, as soon as we introduced a commercial product, then that bar was raised significantly um, and the expectations went up. And sure. so you really had to focus more on productizing the open-source project um, and, and, you know, surrounding it with a lot of those things that people expect from a commercial application, like better documentation and and things of that nature. So um, things have really matured in the last couple of years, and it's it's pretty gratifying to see how things have evolved.
0: It turns out you were right. It was the right thing to do. Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I... I can claim that, and I'm just hoping that um, other folks in the community believe that as well. And we have to continue to um, to focus on that and demonstrating that it was the right move by through our actions. Right? Initially, I mean, you can say that this is the right thing to do, but people don't need to buy into that story. They need to actually see it in action and and actually, you know, seeing is believing.
0: Sean, can you talk a little bit about your relationship to Microsoft? How did you get into the web platform installer?
2: Uh, So Microsoft has an initiative um, where, you know, they're interested in promoting uh, adoption and usage of the Microsoft stack. Um, And through some of the um, analysis that they've done of the market, they've determined that applications are largely what drive adoption of platforms. Um, Just like with Windows, right? Unless Windows had a lot of killer applications on it, I don't know how many people would use Windows. And it's the same with the web stack. And so they focused on a number of of the the more popular web applications that are available today, .NET being one of them. And when they launched the Web App Gallery initiative, they reached out to us and said, you know, we'd really like you to be part of this. Um, There's a a number of other um, ASP.NET applications that were included as well. I think the main criteria was that uh, the applications that are exposed through that venue need to have a fully functional free version. They don't necessarily have to be open source, but they have to have a fully functional free version of their of their product available. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we thought it was a great new channel. Uh, we know we know how powerful Microsoft's marketing engine can be. So we definitely wanted to participate. And then the fact that it's tied in with the web platform installer, it solved a lot of our our traditional you know web install problems as well so it was a kind of a win-win for us and so we jumped in early on and we've promoted that as our as our preferred way to download and, and install .NET nuke and it's allowed us to you know be the most popular application in that channel um, and that that channel includes both um, PHP apps and asp.net apps I think that, that that's important to note as well I mean this applications that are in the web app gallery like WordPress and Joomla and Drupal as well that have a fairly strong and loyal following. But, um, in that particular venue, Nuke still is the top dog.
1: So, Sean, um, there's a whole bunch of devices out there that speak HTML5 and everybody's going crazy for HTML5. What, um, what are you guys thinking about uh, in terms of the future of web delivered content for some of these new devices?
2: Yeah, so the HTML5 questions come up a lot recently, um, especially since Microsoft seems to be promoting it fairly heavily in in their recent, um, you know, their recent uh, sort of strategy that they've been sharing publicly. Um, It's interesting because I think that there is a lot of nervousness in the Microsoft developer community, especially for those folks that Invested heavily in Silverlight. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Silverlight's not going to go away. Silverlight is still here to stay because it's the, the you know the mobile development platform. But there seems to be a lot of um, focus on going back to standards, focusing on you know standard HTML, JavaScript, CSS. Those all very closely aligned with our strategy. We never really went down the path of exploring Silverlight that heavily. When it comes to HTML5, um, because that standard is not completely solidified and there still is enough devices out there that don't support HTML5, uh, we're not looking to integrate it um, very heavily into our platform yet. Um, Certainly people, if they want to build extensions and they have control over the, you know, the devices that that the users of their website are are taking advantage of, then I mean they're free to use HTML5. We have the ability to change our default doc type in the application, and then you could build your extensions to use, you know, HTML5. For example, if you wanted to use Canvas and then things of that nature. But um, but from our perspective, we still need to be a solution that can be used by the broad market. Mm. And although there are a lot of devices, like you said, that can handle HTML5 now, it's still not the majority. Yeah. And we really need to write for the majority at this point. And what about
1: mobile in general? How, does, how, do, how do .NET Nuke sites handle mobile devices?
2: Um, currently, we don't have any native mobile support. That's something that uh, is going to be part of our 6.1 release, uh, which we're going to come out with this fall. Uh, when we look at mobile from a website perspective, um, we want people who are utilizing mobile devices that navigate to a site that's you know, using .NET Nuke as their web application um, to get routed to an experience that makes sense for that device. So from our application perspective, we're going to include device awareness and routing um, so that it will actually recognize the device when it comes to the website and then route you to a page of your site, which is then using our content management system mm. to uh, allow you to create an optimized um, experience for that device. Um, we also contemplated you know, building a service layer around our API so that people could build native mobile apps, and that's probably going to come in the future. But uh, in our research, it's not really the predominant um, thing that people need today today. Um, more often, people who are putting up a website, they know that they have a lot of visitors coming to their sites using various devices. And obviously, some of those devices today are not getting the best experience. And so they need the ability to tailor the experience to the needs of that device.
0: You know, I was thinking back to the platform installer side of things again, and it reminded me of this whole idea of... Uh not wanting to run the hardware myself, Uh, what's the state of providers for .NET Nuke and the like? Do you still have to install it all yourself, or are there actually people out there who will give you a ready-to-go .NET Nuke site?
2: Yeah, there are some hosting providers in our ecosystem that sort of provide a turnkey solution Mm -hmm. for .NET Nuke, and this has been the case for many years. Um, When it comes to... You know, the cloud, there's been a lot of talk about the cloud in recent years. And our strategy is that we don't want to architect our solutions so that it's, you know, optimized for any one particular cloud. We want to be able to give customers the choice to deploy, you know, in the environment that meets their needs. So we still want to have a good on-premise installation experience. We want to be able to allow people to deploy on dedicated servers, on shared Servers And, you know, traditional hosting. And then we want people to be able to deploy on the newer options like Amazon uh, EC2 or Windows Azure. In fact, with, um, with Donanuke 6, we, we went through the effort of updating some of our database installation scripts so that they are now compatible with Windows Azure. Nice. Um, in the past, there had to be some manual effort involved in getting .inux to run on Windows Azure, but uh, with .NET 6, we actually took care of the, uh, the database installation scripts so that now you can install it on SQL Azure and you can run it in Windows Azure. No kidding. Uh, we're starting, starting to hear more demand from the Microsoft um, you know, customer community around Windows Azure, probably largely being driven by Microsoft because they've been pushing Windows Azure very heavily.
1: Wow, that's great. That sounds like uh, sounds like you got your hands full for version 7, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't... <laughs> for version 6, um, I think... Version 5 was out there for a couple of years before version 6 came along, so we'll have to see. It, it's interesting because you don't want to throw a you know a shiny new version number on something unless it's you know there's some something substantial behind the scenes in this case the switch to c-sharp and the overhaul of the user interface actually makes it feel like a new application that's deserving of the 6.0 title um, yeah I think that um, as far as cloud goes uh, I mean cloud is already here we already run in a number of different cloud environments and uh, uh, later this year we're probably going to be announcing some Uh, hosted options of our own um, in terms of, you know, just because we want to provide a more complete solution for people. People Mm. come to .NET Nuke because they want a website and we today only provide, you know, a part of that overall solution. Then they also have to figure out where, you know, where to host it. And so providing the more complete solution we think is, you know, a a way to get people up and running more quickly, which is really, you know, the end goal.
1: Well, continued good luck and success with dotnet nuke it sounds like man you guys are just kicking butt if you haven't checked it out definitely it's worth it it's worth the download folks
2: <laughs> you betcha thanks for having me on the show always great catching up with you guys i know you're busy so really appreciate it
1: always a pleasure and we'll see you next time dear listener on dotnet nuke